0: The Bible is full of promises about God's forgiveness for sin. But there's a point at which forgiveness is no longer possible. Some people worry about whether they are guilty of committing the unpardonable sin. What is it? Get your Bibles and let's talk about it. is the sin that we refer to as the unpardonable sin. Let's begin by looking at scriptural references to it. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 12. In the beginning of chapter 12, there was rebellion against the principles of Jesus. It was the Sabbath and the disciples had picked some grain to eat because they were hungry. Uh, Jesus had healed a man with a withered hand and the Pharisees then begin to plot how they might destroy Jesus. Well, then in verse 22, we begin to read, and what we're going to do now is see the rebellion against Jesus' power. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. And there was brought to him, to Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and dumb, and he healed him, so that the dumb man spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and began to say, this man can't be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How is his kingdom going to stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Consequently, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come." So we have the context of the mention of blasphemy. Jesus pointed out to these Pharisees that their reasoning was absurd. It didn't make sense. He also pointed out their prejudice because these Pharisees had disciples called here sons that were going around as exorcists who claimed that they could cast out demons, or at least that's what some thought. The Pharisees saw it as a work of God. But Jesus says, I'm doing the same thing. But you say, they are of God and I am of the devil. What is that? It's prejudice. And so that's bias. And so they're showing their bias and their prejudice here against Jesus. And so then Jesus points out their rebellion. Then there are verses 31 and 32. I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but, but blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven. And whosoever shall speak a word against the son of man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him either in this age or the age to come. That's a big but. And so when you speak against the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, he says, I'm going to forgive all kinds of sins of blasphemy, except one, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the difference? What's he talking about? God is all about forgiving sin. He will even graciously forgive the sin of blasphemy. When we think a thought or say something against God, that's blasphemy. We do it carelessly. We do it thoughtlessly. You know, take something as simple as, um, God, you said you would meet my needs, but you haven't done that. That's blasphemy. Or suppose you say, God, that isn't fair. Or God, you don't care about me. Or God, you didn't make a way for me. All of those are blasphemous thoughts, blasphemous statements. He even says here that speaking a word against the Son of Man is forgivable. Well, who is the Son of Man? It's Jesus in the flesh, Jesus in human form. The title Son of Man distinguishes Jesus' humanity. And so some only see Jesus' humanness. That was true of a lot of people, even at the cross. They saw him just as a human. And so you can speak a word against the human Jesus and find forgiveness. Jesus said to the people at the cross, he prayed for them, Lord, forgive them. So that was forgivable sin. But you just may not know who Jesus is. It could be a sin of ignorance or uh, you just may be, see him as human and not as god but what happened here was that these people had all the evidence they were seeing the power of jesus right before their eyes it was no denying that it was the power of god but they gave credit to the devil and jesus said that's blasphemy against the holy spirit look with me at mark Mark chapter three. Mark chapter three, verse 14 says, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So there's part of the context. Now skip down to verse 20. And Jesus came home and the multitude gathered again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. And when his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him for they were saying, he's lost his mind. He's lost his senses. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, the devil. And he casts out the demons by the ruler of the demons. And Jesus called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. And he said, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, All sins shall be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Go to Luke. The Gospel of Luke in chapter 12, beginning in verse seven. Jesus is speaking again. He says, indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. I love that verse. What that says in the original language, to take a side trip here, is that the hairs on your head are counted. Now, he's playing mighty close attention if you brush your hair the way I brush mine. Because it, what? It changes constantly. But he's keeping the hairs on your head counted. Do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the son of man shall confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who will speak a word against the son of man, it shall be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit it shall not be forgiven him. Now, let's see how we can grasp and apply this. Of all the sins we can commit, none is worse than blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is an unforgivable, unforgivable, unpardonable sin. It is the unforgivable sin. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. In W.E. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, he explains the word blasphemy this way. Anyone with the evidence of the Lord's power before his eyes and would declare it to be satanic exhibited a condition of heart beyond divine illumination and therefore hopeless giving credit to Satan for what God is doing. Now, in the scriptures, Jesus was talking specifically to Pharisees who had personally witnessed his miracles. They had been there, they had seen it. There just was no doubt. The gospels are full of the fact that there was no doubt that Jesus was God, except to those who didn't want to believe it. So these people have personally witnessed Jesus' miracles. And it was obvious that Jesus was exercising divine power. But the Pharisees attributed Jesus' power not to God, but to Satan. Listen to me. It was willful rejection. It was willful rejection. They accused Jesus of being in partnership with the devil himself. They did it. They sought to discredit Jesus in the eyes of the people by planting the idea that Jesus was working by Satan's power rather than by God's power. That's blasphemy. Now, there's a partner sin, with the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And it is the sin of resisting the Holy Spirit. Resisting the Holy Spirit leads to blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Um, Turn to Acts chapter seven. Acts chapter seven, beginning in verse 51. Here is the incredible story of the martyrdom of Stephen. And Acts 7:51, uh, Stephen preached a sermon just before he was stoned to death. Watch what he says, verse 51. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Now, when they heard this, They were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. So they stopped him before he could go any further. They stopped him before he got to the gospel of Jesus. And then they stoned him to death. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't like it. So their fathers refused to believe the prophets. Now, since the prophets were inspired by the Holy Spirit, those people were in fact resisting the Holy Spirit because it was the Holy Spirit who was speaking through the prophets. So they were resisting the Holy Spirit. So Stephen says that when the people to whom he was speaking refused to hear the apostles and others who were speaking through the Holy Spirit, they were resisting the Holy Spirit. Stephen was also saying that just like the Holy Spirit strove in vain with these people in the Old Testament, and they were doomed, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. He sent prophets, he sent circumstances, he revealed himself. He did on and on and on and on, revealing himself to them, and they would not receive it. They didn't wanna hear it, and so they were doomed. And so those in Stephen's day would also be doomed if they did the same thing, if they denied him, if they resisted the Holy Spirit. And so that's what Stephen's saying to them. He says, look guys, y'all are doing the same thing that your fathers did and they were doomed. You're gonna be doomed as well. And instead of listening, they killed him. Genesis chapter six, verse three. I'll read this to you, this is short. Genesis chapter six. And verse three, God says this. The Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. And so he was talking about a particular situation here, but he says, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. Some translations say, My spirit shall not always strive with man. The spirit sometimes does strive with us. He strives with us sometimes, and this striving comes from our resistance. There would not be any striving if we just bowed to the Holy Spirit immediately. There would not be any striving. So the striving is coming from us resisting the Holy Spirit. Well, what is striving? It is the Holy Spirit putting God's truth into a person's mind. And then there is debating and reasoning and convincing and persuading. And the person argues against what God is saying and he argues against God's truth and the Spirit keeps on. And he tries to deal with the mind and the heart of the person, of the sinner. And you just go back and forth. So the sinner is resisting, is arguing with what the Holy Spirit is revealing to his heart. So the Holy Spirit just continues to woo and to draw and to incline the mind and heart toward God. So when a person says, "Mm," and pushes the Holy Spirit back, and says, I'm gonna to have to think about this. I'm not sure this is true. I don't know if I wanna to submit to this. Then that resisting the Spirit is a sin that when it goes on long enough, it becomes blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Resisting becomes eternal doom. When we just keep on and keep on. So blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not just a one-time event. It's not just a one time event that somebody does by accident. It is an ongoing attitude of rebellion against God that, can, that just continually resists and rejects and insults the Holy Spirit. It's a mindset, it's a lifestyle, and it is done deliberately and unceasingly, relentlessly when a person just decides, I don't want anything to do with him. Why? Because remember the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always convincing the world of the truth about sin, the truth about righteousness, and the truth about judgment. And so here's sinners, unsafe people going, no, 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 get away. And he's always, the Holy Spirit's always revealing the truth about Jesus Christ. And so here we come along, well, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe he was born of a virgin. I don't know if he really rose from the dead. And what are we doing? We're resisting. And we're pushing back the truth of God's Word and the truth that the Holy Spirit is revealing. So if you reject his revelation, if you reject God's Word, reject the truth of the Gospel, you cannot be saved. One way. And it's the gospel. And so no one can be saved who does not believe the truth about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is revealing that truth. So there comes a time when the Holy Spirit makes his last call. God will not always strive with men. There comes a time when the Holy Spirit makes his last call. There's a limit. Why is there a limit? Because keeping on wouldn't do any good. God knows our hearts. He knows when our minds are made up and it just wouldn't do any good. And so as a sinner resists and hardens his heart against the spirit, there comes a time when God lets him have his way. When God just says, okay. So to reject Christ now is to reject him for eternity. Many people ask whether they might have committed the unpardonable sin and maybe we've all ask the question, have I done something unforgivable? There's some ugly, nasty, nauseating, disgusting sins going on in the world. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough to cover all those sins and all of the sins of the whole world for all time. The only sin that Jesus' blood will not cover is the sin of consistently, stubbornly, and rebelliously rejecting Christ as Savior and Lord. His blood does not cover that sin. Now, if you're worried that you may be guilty of the unpardonable sin, then you most certainly are not. Not guilty of it. How come? concern about committing it reveals the opposite attitude of what the sin is. Uh, Those who might be guilty of the unpardonable sin don't care. They don't care if they've committed the sin. They don't care if they've offended Christ. They don't care because they don't have any stress, any remorse over the possibility of having committed the sin. Hmm, They're okay with it. So if you're worried about it, you haven't committed it. Now, secondly, as long as the Holy Spirit has not stopped striving with the sinner, he or she has not committed the unpardonable sin. There's hope, there's always hope. As long as the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, he's not done as long as you still are feeling that conviction, that guilt, then he is not done with you. But when a person has so resisted the Holy Spirit that he no longer strives with him, then there is grave danger for eternity. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. It simply says this For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. What adversaries? The adversaries of Jesus. When we resist him, when we do not accept the truth about him, we become his adversary. And so the Holy Spirit is wooing and reaching out and dealing with heart so that we will receive the truth, embrace the truth of God's Word. The unpardonable sin is rejecting the truth about Christ It is complete and final rejection of the Holy Spirit's declaration that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who alone can save us from our sins. When you do not receive and bow to that truth, there is dire, dire trouble coming in your eternity. The Scripture is clear about it. It is when a person rejects Christ in his or her own life and when a person has said in his heart that what the Bible teaches about Jesus is a lie, we separate ourselves from it. And God will work on us and work on us and when we continue continue to be stubborn and rebellious and refuse to receive the truth, even though he's wooing us, telling us, revealing to us, then we come to a time where God will say, okay, your mind's made up. I'm not going to bother you anymore. The only way a sinner can be forgiven for resisting the Holy Spirit is to stop resisting Him. Stop resisting Him. Embrace Jesus. Embrace the truth of what Scripture says Jesus is. He is Christ. He is Lord and Savior. And so the plea is that we will receive that truth, bow to that truth, understand that we are sinners in need of this, the only Savior, while there's still an opportunity. A day will come when there is no longer an opportunity. You know, we can't draw dogmatic conclusions about who may or may not have committed the unpardonable sin. That's not any of our business. That is God's decision. That decision belongs only to God. And so I don't need to be sitting around trying to think of somebody that I think may have committed the unpardonable sin. What's our job? It's our job to urge all people everywhere, to repent and turn to Jesus since we don't really know if the Spirit has stopped working with them or not. He knows that. I've heard stories where people have said, I know the Spirit has stopped working with me. I want to say to that person, try again, Try again. God is a merciful God. And it's, I would just be ready to come back to Him and say, be honest with Him. I feel like you have stopped working with me. Please give me another chance. Because God is eager to give mercy and forgiveness. If you, listen, if you want to, you can. If you want to, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working. You wouldn't have the want to if it were not for the Holy Spirit. So if you want to, or if you're even thinking about it, the Holy Spirit is working and you can bow. You can bow. You can come to Jesus. Our job is to just be ready with the seed of the Word of God. To demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. As we are light and salt, then those people are going to become thirsty. And they're going to realize, they're going to see the difference between light and darkness. How do they do that? Maybe you've been sitting in a dingy room. I've heard of people who've had cataracts for a long time. I think about that because I'm well on my way. And so everything seems dark, and you want to turn on more and more light. But for some people with cataracts, they don't really notice the difference because it's happened so slowly. And then when they get the cataracts removed, it's like, wow. I didn't know. I didn't remember that colors looked like that. We set the standard. The Holy Spirit uses us as conduit to put light in the world and to make us salt in the world so that it will become thirsty. So it's our job to just simply be ready to give out the gospel. Don't pass any judgment. Listen, and to pray for those about whom we are uncertain. We can pray for them. AND WE DON'T KNOW WHO MIGHT YET RESPOND TO THE GOSPEL. WHAT ABOUT YOU?